If you're a listener of the show or follow my Insta account, then you know I'm a huge fan of what Instagram can do for your business. But I also know that it is tough to keep up, even if you have staff who could hypothetically do it for you. At my clinic, we outsource our marketing with Molly Cahill's team. So unfortunately, her agency is full at the moment, but that doesn't mean you can't work with Molly. She has something called the Holistic Marketing Hub, and it is a hybrid done with you program. And it's a one-stop shop for chiropractors and other health and wellness pros to not only learn how to use Instagram effectively, but also includes a massive content library of copy and paste chiropractic and other health captions. It has everything you need for you and your team to up your marketing game while not spending all your time coming up with new ideas. So what if you want to hire someone though to do your marketing for you? You're going to love this. She created a detailed job description with a training schedule, deliverables, and even sample pay rate. So let's say you have a mom in your practice who loves your clinic and is looking for something she can do from home. This is perfect. You can grab the free job description even if you don't join the Holistic Marketing Hub at mollycahill.com forward slash she slays. If you do decide to join the hub, make sure to use code she slays for $200 off. Hey, She Slays listeners, before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick. Um, so next week is a really big deal. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. It's episode number 250. Wouldn't it be funny if I, you wouldn't think it's funny. I wouldn't think it's funny either. This is actually a pet peeve. If I was like, mm, next week's a big one. I'm not going to tell you why. Stay tuned for four or five more days. And then I was like, it's episode 250. Just in case you haven't been listening for long enough or following along it is a pet peeve when i'll see clinics be like mm, tomorrow's a big surprise like stay tuned and then it's like we're now open fridays and it's like okay well that that is kind of exciting but like it wasn't like you're giving away free puppies or anything like that or you know i don't know we all we all have our things right we all have our things that for whatever reason get under our skin and more than likely like if we were to like therapize each other it probably is like this mirror reflection of like something that we used to do that we find really cringy now or i don't know i don't know but i think that some of the like weird pet peeves that we have somebody smarter than me could definitely dissect and go like that's a weird one that's that's a weird one 
Um, okay. So vulnerability time. I just, I don't know. I haven't had therapy in a while. So you guys are going to be it. Don't worry. I have plans for, I didn't cancel therapy. It's just, we, <laughs> so I, I said, I think I've been doing really good. And so I've gone out a month the last two times and whoa, whoa, have they been, have they been months? So like you go into therapy and you're like, all right, I have like four major things we need to talk about. How do I, uh, but then also like one of the things was major three weeks ago. And so then it's like weird bringing it back up. You're like, well, I, I cried a lot, a lot about this, but I actually feel like I'm in a good place now. So I don't know, for those of you that do once a month therapy, maybe you can relate. So I went to um, UAC last weekend, um, Ultimate Achievers Club. <laughs> don't judge the name, okay? Like we're going to refer to it as UAC. But my friend Elise Rigney has been trying to get me to go for a while and like the timing just didn't work out and like divine timing, it worked out. It was wonderful. Holy cow, amazing people. But it was really weird being the smallest fish in a group of chiropractors. Like that's just, I haven't been in that seat for a long time, you know, pretty much for the last four or five years. Yeah, since about like 2018, like I was one of the biggest fish in the room and that like validated my ego and all that stuff. And so it was very interesting to be in that room. And uh, like my ego was like doing all this checks of like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. But I was like, oh, but actually this is kind of nice because it allowed for the space for me to be vulnerable about like issues that I'm meeting in businesses and like I'm stuck on. Whereas previously I might not as felt as safe talking about an area that I hadn't worked out, right? Like you kind of know that that's, again, you may or may not know this, but like this is one of my pet peeves about people on stages is that it's much more comfortable for them to talk about something that they overcame a couple years ago. I used to deal with this, but now I have solved it and I'm an expert and I don't like that. Um, but lo and behold, I kind of found myself in that situation in other chiropractic groups and stuff. So anyway, so it was good. That wasn't even the point of being vulnerable. <laughs> this is just the pre prelude. And so there were some chiros there that have very large Instagram followings, hundreds of thousands. And some of them, like one of the accounts has, I don't know, 300,000. And when they were guests on the podcast, it was like 20,000. And like another one, kind of a similar thing of like when someone was on the podcast, they had, you know, 10,000, 15,000, and now like 450,000. And uh, I'm in a three. So it made me jealous. Like, and, um, and like I was, I was like nice to them. And it wasn't like I was like weird with them. It was all like an internal thing. And it like kind of has lingered um, since I came home. And just like going down this rabbit hole of just like, I'm not doing enough. And my friend Morgan would actually say, that's your human design, even more than your Enneagram three of just not doing enough, not doing enough. I'm a Manny Jenny and I can be feeling doing enough. But then as soon as I see someone else who ha is doing more, because I mean, they're, they have more of a focus. They have figured out more of a strategy to their Instagram and like, and obviously it's working. And, and so it just kind of like stimulates something, stimulates, strikes a nerve um, in me. That's like, huh, huh. And what's 
good, what's hard. I mean, all things are hard and good that are worth working through. But like my niche is subluxation-based chiropractors. We got some rehab folks in there. It's all right. We let you in. I see you. I see you back back pain spine rehab of Florida. I, that's not a real handle, I don't think. Um, we let you in. You, you know you're a closet subluxation freak. But I have consciously made decisions with the Instagram account to keep it chiropractic. There have been multiple reels that have gone they're usually me adjusting and i don't even know why i post them anymore i don't i don't know anytime that i post me adjusting someone it just goes wild like hundreds of thousands and i usually delete it before it gets into millions and so like one of the things that i'll do is i'll observe the followers that are coming in and in the beginning it's great because i'll find new kairos new kairos are finding me all the time and that's awesome but then when it starts being like 500 people a day those aren't, those aren't chiropractors anymore. Those are just lay people. And when I look at like, what is the goal? So like I'm monetizing my Instagram. Okay. So like my goal, I'm there. Yeah. Now am I monetizing it as much as I could be? No. Who knows what'll happen with it in the future? I don't know if it'll stay chiropractic. I, I don't, I don't know. Right now, I really love serving chiropractors. And right now, my headspace is that if I started to broaden, you know, what I brought into CEOs, but I feel like there's so much information that I haven't even started giving back to associates. Like I have this whole kind of vision of how I can help support associates staying in great associate jobs and not feeling like they're missing out on a whole component of leadership training and financial investment. And like, there's just, there's just so much still to happen, but there's really no, there's really no solving this. It's just kind of sharing like one of those things where I felt imposter syndrome multiple times this past weekend. And it's just interesting to see how it still shows up um, and how you think you're going to get to a certain point and you're this big fish in this room and then you leave that room and then you go into another room and you're like, oh my God, I am worthless. What I am doing is so small on what I could be doing and all of that and like what it comes down to, I guess for all of us, when you feel that is just feeling like, are you incongruent with what your heart and mission is telling you to do right now? And that's where my head gets like, well, one day I might. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, Lauren. One day you might. You're 37. My God, so much time left. Hopefully, knock on wood. But like for now, I feel very good about the decisions I make but then like Enneagram 3 and me is like but I need to make sure I tell everybody that I could oh my god like sometimes do you ever just disgust yourself like are you ever like do you ever just have so much self-awareness and reflection that like you see things that you say or do and you're just like oh my god you're so transparent you're so transparent in like why you needed to like tell everybody like hey I've just, I could be viral if I wanted to. Oh, so yeah, I guess I'll keep going to therapy and I guess you guys will just keep on getting episodes uh, like we had. Oh, you guys loved Nona Javid's episode. Um, I got so much good feedback on that. Uh, so I'll just keep doing therapy episodes. Today's not one of those, by the way, but like, don't worry. I will just keep sharing my journey with you. So today... 
Um, we have a very cool person on. So his name is Dr. Stanton Holm. And we touch on it in his interview, kind of his, like he's, he reminds me of like a Ben Tapper. Go back to episode 200. Ben Tapper was on kind of one of these like warriors in our profession. Um, these people who really stand for truth um, or bringing awareness to just kind of the the stuff that's going on, you know, the stuff that's happening in society. He has a podcast called Future Generations. I highly recommend you go check it out. Um, but he is a devoted husband and father to two great, amazing children. He's a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Following a meritorious, I don't know what that word means, meritorious, merits. All right, merit is the root word. So like, does that mean, hmm, we're going to look that up. Oh, okay. So meritorious means deserving reward or praise. All right, cool. I found a new word to use. Okay, so following a meritorious military career, Dr. Stan graduated from the Southern California University of Health Sciences, Los Angeles College of Chiropractic in 2010, and has since served the San Diego community with excellent chiropractic care. He specializes in the whole family from preconception through birth, infants, childhood, and beyond. We get into some shit. So like, I will remind you guys, you remember when we had the mushroom lady on, the microdosing psilocybin lady? This is a safe place. Like, I am a libertarian, and I believe in, like, people having a platform to talk about their truths and their this and that. And so, like, I don't know. I haven't had anybody on that's gotten, like, real crazy where I was like, oh, this should I? But, like, no. So, like, this is a place we get. We go down some rabbit holes, and we have some very cool conversations that I don't think are happening out there. And that's one of the things I promised you is not to, like, so how do you... I couldn't think of a cheesy question, um, but I want real real questions with real people uh, so we can all continue to grow. So let's breathe, relax your jaw. Dear God, thank you so much for people like Dr. Stan who are putting themselves out there. So many of us are so afraid. So, I mean, if somebody budged in front of me and pushed a kid down. I don't know. I'd be like, oh, ooh, awkward. <laughs> um, you know, like, just help us continue to be brave in whatever you've put in our heart. Um, continue to do it through a line or lane of respectfulness of other humans. Um, love. Love of your word and your truth. The truth of just loving others um, and serving others. And just... Every episode, help us grab, you know, let this be a conduit for whatever information people need to hear and let us continue to go serve um, and just continue to push, continue to push me. I, I give you a grant permission ugh, to like show me the hard things and a prayer I've said so many times, my shortest prayer that I will say to God over and over when I'm dealing with things like FOMO and comparison is God, make it obvious. Just make it obvious if I, that I can know I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity that was truly made for me. If I don't go to that training or I say no to that email because I'm having boundaries like, God, just, just please 
let me know that if it is truly for me, it will circle back. And that is not just the good things, but the bad things. And those lessons, if I don't learn that lesson, I trust that you will bring it back around. Um, and so God, just continue to make our opportunities and lessons obvious for all of us so we can continue being better humans. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, without further ado, here is my episode with Dr. Stanton Holm. Enjoy. So you had been in practice uh, 2020, how many years at that point? 2020 was 10 years. Okay. So what prompted you to start the podcast? Well, I mean, because you kind of got big on social media, kind of got big on social media. That's a funny way to put it. Um, during So like what kind of happened first? The The idea for the podcast happened first and it happened first because we just started to see what was going down. I think it was maybe October, 2019. And I was just like, Oh, you saw smells, it going down 2019. Like tyranny. Well, I was just, cause, cause you started to see it, right? We started uh -huh. to hear, Oh, there's this weird virus. And then people are like laying on the street and all this media stuff. And you're like, Whoa, like what? And then you hear a report that there are 38,000 people every day flying to the United States with no like shutting down of flights long before we did any sort of stopping of anything or caring about it in the United States. And then if you're in practice long enough, right, 10 years at the time, mm -hmm. like you're just like, you know, when shit's going down in your practice and you know, when people are getting, okay, getting things, you know, because you're in California, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm just going to blame my ignorance that I had no fucking idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people didn't. Literally, yeah. it was like, because Kirby and I were yeah. going to go to uh, Morocco in the fall of 2020. And I remember like March being like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to go, but let's cross our fingers. So I'm in Northwoods, Wisconsin. So I'm just going to say that you were in California and you had access to more uh, knowledge. So I don't sound naive. So anyways, keep going. You so, yeah, I mean, in, in, in. If I were to rewind, right, 2015 was SB 277. That's when they got rid of personal belief and religious exemption here in California mm -hmm. uh, to go to public or private school. So anything other than homeschool, people are like, whoa, like, how do we do this? And we're mm -hmm. like, you can't. And there's no way that there's around it. And I was going to Sacramento and I was kind of in the weeds with a lot of the, the activism back then. And then you start to see like what happens in uh, state governments like ours, where they literally change the panels of voters to stack the deck for their favor, knowing that when you go up there, like this is this is one of the more amazing things that I love about this kind of movement for for human freedom, is like for both SB two seven seven, which was twenty fifteen, SB two seven six, which was twenty eighteen, where they got rid of medical exemptions. You go to the Capitol, and there's thousands of people like the entire capitol building is wall-to-wall -wall people and the people are moms mostly moms multi-general generational families multiple cultural backgrounds and it's just all families right and you're just like whoa like nobody likes this vaccine thing right like that's really interesting and then you go and you testify, which you can't say anything, but you just say, I'm against this bill, blah, 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 right? But in the line, right, because they would put on one side of the hall those that are against these bills, and on the other side of the hall, those that are for these bills. <laughs> and it's like 2,000 to 1, right? Mm -hmm. the, the ratio is drastically in the favor of people that just don't want mandatory stuff. And on the other side are like white coats, and it says 
UCLA medical student, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, what are you here for? They're like, oh, they just try, you know, because you're just open. Nobody knows who's who. You just have a conversation. And I have a conversation with somebody who's a, a, going to be a pedia- pediatrician re- resident. And I just start like just dropping Socratic questions. <laughs> and they're just like, wait a minute. That's not on my talking points. Wait a minute. I didn't know that there were no studies. I didn't know, you know, like, I didn't know there was no liability. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, why are you here? Oh, they just offered a free trip to come support this bill. And so there's like white coats, no families, no general pop, right? No, no, no mom and dads, no kids, no baby carriers, no grandmas, all students, all doctors, all paid to be there. But it's 2000 to one, those that are. Mm-hmm. for human freedom. And this is leading up to 2020, right? And so as soon as it starts going down and my my team was like, hey, like this is happening. I'm like, this is dumb. Like this is so dumb. It's a lie, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're just like, wait, wait, no, the, it's different because people are really scared. And I was like, oh shit, like I, I, I got to get out in front of this. Like I have to, like, so we created a Facebook group and I had to really think about how I was going to communicate because the majority of our patients were already understanding that we're in this movement for health, freedom, and informed consent. Okay. And so you were kind of like, this I was wasn't already in the movement. Yeah. Patients were not surprised. So you didn't have to worry about, like, oh no, is my community going to see me in a different light? And yes and no, because we would do vaccine workshops and there would be, I would say, some. Seasons 50-50, some seasons would be 75-25 of people that were like, hey, I want to know more information. Mm -hmm. On our intake forms, we always ask if people want more information. And pre-2020, people were like, eh, they might leave it blank. You know, they might not want to be judged. Post-2020 was like everybody was questioning everything. But I would say I had to be really conscious because of the diversity of my practice. Like there were those that were like me that are, so neck deep in the movement and so neck deep in the truth. And then there are people who are just like on the first bridge, right? They're, they're crossing their first bridge. They're like, wait a minute, antibiotics for viral infections. Why did they even recommend that? And you're like, well, let's well. talk about that, you know? And then that's like the gateway, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, those gateways to more empowered parents. And so we're experts in all of those to the point of 2020, which was like, Oh, I interviewed Sherry Tenpenny, I want to say, in the first maybe lead or like first round of like pre-recorded interviews. And she came back like two years and was like, hey, so by the way, she's on the mic and it's our third live event. We had 2000 people there. She's like, I just want to talk about Dr. Stan for a second because you interviewed me like two years ago and you were nervous as hell. I was like, oh, you knew I was nervous. She's like, oh, yeah, you were so nervous. And you're like. But she was the one that was like dropping, oh, um, it's not about like, it's not even about a shot. It's not, it's about data. It's about that we're tracking people's choices that we're actually, you know, data mining, not only their, 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 their scrolling, but now they're data mining what apparently is part of this kind of shot bioweapon deal. And, and she was the first one where I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger and then it opened my whole kind of world to understanding that not only is it like a shot and all the things that we may be trained in as chiropractors, you know, just teaching people about informed consent and about 
you know, how to raise healthy kids, but it's like, ooh, school curriculums. Oh, wow. Interesting. Like there's so many layers. It's 24 hour surveillance. Wait a minute. You have a ring camera. That's weird. Cause they own this, you know, it's like all the things that kind of come around, but it started with a Facebook group. And I started with guard your mind, guard your heart, guard your soul and your kids from the tsunami wave of fear and anxiety that's about to come. Okay. And it came and there's just fear, fear, fear. Uh Everything is terrible. You're going to die at some point, you know, and we're going to save you, you know? And so with, you know, with your own podcast, unless you're Rogan, they really don't probably care about like, okay, you could, we could say anything on this podcast and they're going to be like, okay, we don't care. But on Facebook uh, and Instagram, they, they really care. They, so, (laughs) so as you started to get momentum, I would imagine with that came people in the group for the wrong reasons but also some censorship. So how did you, first of all, how did you set up the boundaries of the Facebook group to be very like, it's okay, like just get out of here if you're not with us. Or, you know, like how did you have those boundaries or was it just like delete and block, delete and block, delete and block? The Facebook group was was actually just purely for patients. Okay. And so we were actually screening them and then they okay. could invite someone specifically, but it was mainly me taking my crew and giving them as big of a hug as possible. And then just saying, Hey, I don't know what's coming, but I'm going to share with you the things that I think are relevant and things that might kind of lead you to a a different perspective than what's being promulgated on, you know, the screens and the media. And I am also just always open to conversation, criticism, feedback, and and that was it, you know? And so we, we didn't really safeguard it as much as we just knew who our patients were. And, and largely, I'll, I'll, I'll say this too, because it's, it's kind of important, because we um, had multiple practitioners in our office at the time. We had a naturopath who was really in the movement for kind of vaccine choice, and we had an ac- acupuncturist, and we had a couple doulas. And it was an interesting dynamic because the acupuncturist, I kind of, she did an internship with me. And so I kind of groomed her into a lot of our perspectives. But the naturopath I thought was radically interesting because she was just like, she, one day she would come up to me like, masks are the law. Like you need to be wearing them. I'm like, no, they're not. Um, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to have this conversation right now with you because I know what you believe. I know what you believe. <laughs> and you're coming at me with the whole mask deal. And I said, here's what's going to happen. We, as an office, and you can choose to stay if you want or not, we're not going to accommodate the most fearful. We are going to accommodate to those that actually believe in their own self-healing, their own innate intelligence, and we're going to start there. If your patients are fearful, then you are welcome to set up any accommodation you want to outside of my office, but inside my office, this is the way that we're going to do it because I know what you believe. And I said the second rule is that no patients will ever approach each other they will go through you and they will go through me and then we'll have a one-on-one conversation about what the potential controversy is. There's no disrespect. There's no shame. There's no, there's none of that. And we did really well for about three months and then she left. And so it was first and foremost, like our brand is very character based. We're it's, it's, it's one of our, we call them the six C's. Our first C is, is, is character. And you just got to be a good person, you know, like, and we saw that kind of go to the wayside with 2020. But after that, it was mostly just like, 
we're open to what the truth is, and we're going to tell the truth as much as we can. And that started very, very, very soon. The podcast started largely because in California, we just didn't know what was going to happen. Like, could you practice? Could you not practice? Mm-hmm. Could you, would you have to do a Zoom adjustment? You know, like all sorts of weird shit that they were coming up with. And we were just like, let's start the podcast because the truth needs to be told. I know that I know there are people that I can lean on as far as getting me versions of the truth. And, and if it all goes to hell and I can't practice anymore, at least I'll have that as a vehicle to do something, you know? Right. And so the podcast was started around mid 2020 by, I want to say October, November, Devin Brana had done her big deal. Like mm-hmm. she did one of her big mm-hmm. first events and I interviewed her and Joe and I said, I said, like, tell me what's up. Like, tell me what you did. And I'm super inspired by it. Thank you for She's one commitment. of my favorite humans. Well, then she like goes, you're it. If you feel at all called to do it, you got to do it. And I was like, wow, that's really weird. Cause I was thinking like, I was like, how long did you have? She had, we had five weeks to prepare. I was like, yeah, we have six. She's like, do it. And so we did our first live event in the December of 2020. And we thought we were going to get a couple hundred people. It took us forever to find a venue. We ended up finding an old news station that's run by a, uh, a Russian dude that, you know, we just met him kind of on a whim. And he goes like, hey, what are you guys going to do here? And we're like, uh, well, he's like, well, I mean, are you guys just going to talk about how Bill Gates is like running all the bullshit out there? And I was like, do you want to speak? No. And anyways, he basically was like, hey, I'm friendly. This is a compound we have security, your event's going to be protected. And we thought we were going to get a couple hundred people. And I think we sold 800 tickets and we, I think we had standing room only because 1100 people showed up and it was cool because we had like Dell and we had nurse Aaron, we had Alex Zach, uh, Michelle, Melissa Floyd, a couple others, but we had some people in the crowd, which is awesome. Judy Mikovits was in the crowd wearing like a hat. She looked like a you know, witness protection, like she was undercover or something. And who's Judy Mikovits? Judy Mikovits is the um, one of the the researchers that highlighted. She was highlighted in. Did you ever watch any of the Plandemic series? Mm-hmm. So there was Plandemic one that talked about like the the Fauci discrepancy and HIV um, long before there was a COVID, and then. Plandemic 2 was with um, a couple of the other kind of influences that talked about what happened with COVID and the, the patenting of the viruses before um, COVID-19, before COVID right? The patenting the COVID virus before there was a pandemic. Anyways, she's just one of the main researchers that definitely has been one of the most outspoken for Got it. Consent. Yeah. So you have this event and you're kind of all of a sudden on people's radar, like in a much bigger way. So what do you do with that then? Like kind of this, oh, I I don't want to like fluff your ego too much here, but like kind of this like overnight fame where all of a sudden these big names that you had known because you had been, and also I just want to defend myself. I realized a big reason being in Wisconsin, we still have all three, knock on wood. Um, So I, out of ignorance have not had to really follow a lot of this. Like it is true (laughs) of like, I'm just up at my state being like, well, my kids haven't had a single vaccine and go to school, honey. (laughs) But you know, like, um, it is beautiful. But like, as you were going like, oh yeah, no, I can see how you had to start 
going to things like that. But okay, okay so you're this this overnight. You want to move to Wisconsin? <laughs> like uh, no, it's great up here. No. <laughs> there's there's cows. Grass. I love Wisconsin. And I love the Wisconsin chiropractors, man. There are so many good chiropractors in Wisconsin. So okay, so yeah, you're was, overnight, and now all of a sudden you're on people's radar, like. You were before, and you're on people whose radar you want to be with, and I'm sure you're all of a sudden now on people's radar that you do not necessarily wish to be on their radar. So I would love to hear just kind of your journey with censorship, especially in the beginning, because like I know to this day, if I try and share something of yours on stories, Instagram, well, first of all, they they double asked if I really wanted to follow you, which I thought was like, oh, this is interesting. And then if I try and share something of yours, they will say, are you sure? Are you sure you want to share this? Because he's a big fat liar and we don't like him. So for someone who's like on radars, talk to me about the censorship you've experienced. So I think by January, I got deplatformed the first time. And, and by deplatformed Instagram, completely pulled off of Instagram. Okay, like like deleted. But from Facebook, Instagram. they still let you be there. Facebook, I for some reason chose to remove the forwarding of my okay. posts. I can't remember when it happened and why I did that, but I did. Okay. And so it's kind of interesting because you're in different ecosystems, mm -hmm. and I'll post something on Facebook just randomly because I'm so used to just forwarding things, and and all my friends would be like what do you, what is this? Like, you're like, you're an anti-vaxxer. I'm like, do you know me? Wait a minute. This is super weird. Cause you don't know any of that because you don't follow me here. Right. Yeah. And then that's one thing about deplatforming is you don't just lose your followers. You lose who you follow. And so you actually get disconnected from the people, like all the people that were my friends, my friends, mm -hmm. uh, with my first account, like I stopped following them because I didn't know who to refollow because you just don't know how to rebuild your account. And then March was our second event. And by like a week after our second event, we were deplatformed the second time. And so I would say, I would say I have a couple thoughts around this. One is I had a beacon, right? There was it, it, in the County of San Diego, like there's something to the order of like 1700 chiropractors, right? There's a ton. And there, if I really looked at the landscape, there was maybe three or four of us that were like really vocal about things. And one guy had an account that was like, you know, a hundred and something thousand. And I had him speak at one of my, actually I had him speak at my first two events. And I just said, well, you're my beacon, dude. Cause if you're not getting shut down and they're not coming at your practice and they're not pulling your license or they're not mm -hmm. doing this, then then the bark is is bigger than the bite, and I'm 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 in for this because I don't like the spiritual warfare aimed at our children. Right? That that mm -hmm. that's that's really the the mantra in my mind has always been: What is the world that my kid is going to inherit from me? And everything came from that. Right? Around that same time was when I went to Devin's uh, big idea. And I got to speak, and this is where we got to meet a bunch of the people that were all kind of getting deplatformed. And it was really weird because you like meet people and you're like, wow, you're a freaking nerd. Like, I'm a nerd. You're a nerd. Like, like it was just super weird to kind of geek out with people. And I met Ben Tapper, 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've interviewed Ben yet. I have. But, yeah, I think he was but, episode two hundred. He was like a monumental one. Ben is he's he's one of the most he's one of the biggest blessings I have ever met, like in human form. Mm-hmm. And at Devin's event, he just scrolled through his phone, super humble guy, and he was like, "Dude, check this out!" And he just showed me all the ways that his phone had been hacked and all the messages that he had got as far as targeting, as far as they knew when he traveled, they slashed his tires, they, you know, they did virtually like all the things that our forefathers and mothers of chiropractic received in the first years, you know, pre-licensure and all those types of things, practicing medicine without a license, the original PSYOP, right? And I just, I'm a veteran and I just looked at him, I said, Ben, I'm just gonna, I want you to know with all the minimizing words I could use that I am devoted and I will take as many arrows as I can because I believe what you're doing for humanity, not just the profession, what you're doing for humanity is something that I, I'm all in for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I have never received what he had received as far as attacks and threats. We have, we have received our share. But when I started to see the local beacon of somebody who was doing more than I was at the time, not getting the bites from the city, from the county, from all mm-hmm. the people, then I was like, okay, like we, we can say can whatever push, we want. We can push <laughs> we further. Can do the, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. gonna these are more threats than Yes. And when I saw Ben, I was like, it just took me full force back to just like I said, our forefathers and foremothers of chiropractic, like the people who were sent to Wisconsin, right? Do you know about Dr. Modi Kubo, like one of the mm-hmm. original cases to define chiropractic, um, BJ sent him in, I believe, 1906 to La Crosse, oh, Wisconsin. That's where I'm from. So he was sent there in 1906 to practice, open a practice, knowing that he would get arrested and knowing that in that court case, they would define chiropractic as a separate and distinct profession Shut the fuck up. It's really? fucking crazy, right? No that one knows this li- shit, right? So so when I go out and I talk about things like like I'm a I don't know if you know Simon Because Sinzon. In the court case, they would have yes. to define it. Oh wow. So was- all the attacks on chiropractic for practicing medicine without a license were because they had never defined, defined what chiropractic was. And so now we look further, you know, a hundred years and we're like, oh shit, you have licensure and they actually control you, right? it becomes like the window into the infrastructure. (laughs) Like it's like, what's better or worse, you know, like to just get arrested all the time and attacked, you know, for illegally practicing quote medicine without a license or to then define it and be a part of the system that they then legal, they regulate and control. It's kind of hard to decide, you know, but that's, that's our roots, right? Our roots are such that chiropractors were told men and women, right? If you go to the Cleveland family, like they had more women as their four, four mothers of chiropractic, most, mostly nurses who were fierce advocates for the principle of chiropractic and hundred, no, sorry, thousands of chiropractors were arrested tens and hundreds of thousands of times up into the seventies, I believe, which is when Louisiana was the last state that was actually licensed. And, and in the end, it's like, here we are, you know, in 2023, and we don't know this. Like, we don't know this as a, as a profession, right? And so for me, what has fueled me has been that. It's like I wouldn't have a privilege to practice at all, especially in the model of principled, vitalistic 
pediatric prenatal focused chiropractic where you just literally see the life express in someone so vibrantly that you're just like, that's what they're after. Mm -hmm. They're after that vibrancy. You know, I, you know, it's so difficult because, so I think just in general, you're going to have personalities that are willing to go to jail and certain <laughs> thank personalities. You. Thank like you for me. telling me that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like, let's all go to jail. And I'm like, yeah, oh, go stand. I'll send jail. you money in your what commissary. <laughs> you're in the, you're in the jail, asshole. Like, <laughs> like oh, shit. Um, like I've honestly thought about that before. Anytime we talk about like chiropractors willing to go to jail and I was like, damn, I mean, it would be a really good story for stage but I don't think I'm tough enough um I know I'm not because like I I'm too much of I care still too much in my life journey about being liked to be like I'm just starting to be a little more vocal with it within chiropractic let alone within the community but anyway so I remember being in chiropractic school it was infectious disease at uh, Northwestern I said have I have yet to get a cease and desist from them but got to happen one of these days. And I forget her, Linda Bowers was teaching infectious disease. And I remember where I was in the room and she started, she, the like idea of vaccines came up and she said, I just don't understand why you chiropractors insist on picking vaccines as your hill to die on. Like, just stop it. And then she moved on with the class. And I was just like, girl, like I, I, I remember this. So that was, that was my, that was my intro. And like, I had, you know, I had known uh, through like just doing ICPA training, like you've had Lawrence Pavelski on, you know, like I've done that. Like I knew enough. I had read enough books to go like, well, I'm not vaccinating my kid when I have one eventually, but like chiropractors aren't being taught this in the schools. So then we come out into society and I feel like we're really wanting to build a practice and to build a practice, you need to be liked. And so, you know, it's, I think it's really hard as a pediatric chiropractor to step up and say like, it's way easier. Okay. Not easier. It's not true. It's, uh, I feel like what I can get away with on social media to like not my patients watching, I feel like is so much more than what I feel like I can get away with in my clinic. And so it's like, how for you, I feel like it was a little different just because you have different personality, but like, how do you feel like pediatric chiropractors can kind of step into this realm of having some of these difficult conversations with their patients or just like when they're just scared that they're going to lose their patient base and they don't know what the hell they're talking about because they were taught. Um I would say that if you don't know what you're talking about, then don't talk about it, mm -hmm. right? And I would also say that if you don't know what you're talking about it, uh, what, you're what you're talking about, but you have certain resources and beliefs, then don't do the thing that a lot of people do, which is, hey, just do your research, like this very weak, like recommendation to send people out into the wild of WebMD mm -hmm. and Google search. Make sure right? you use DuckDuckGo. <laughs> Please, you know, and then offer them like some of those direct resources <laughs> because you have to help them. You have to assist them through now, especially the level of censorship that, that exists out there. Right. I'll, I'll kind of give you an idea as far as how, how and why 
we kind of met some of the challenges of COVID particularly, right? Like my, I was pretty anti-mask from the very beginning, um, posted multiple times that I believe it's a gateway drug to medical tyranny. I believe it is a hill to die on um, for a host of reasons, but it may be not for some people, right? But I remember when my daughter came into the office and I had a buff like around my neck and with one of the patients, they wanted me to, to lift it up and I did and my daughter like saw me like, hmm, where'd your face go? Like she was seven months old. She didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. But I could tell that she could see an inconsistency and an incongruency and a contradiction in how we just live our lives. And um, it was literally the next new patient that I walked in where I would always come in with, say, my buff up or something, just assuming that somebody would be more scared. And I took it off and I just walked in. I said, hey, do you need me to wear this? And it was interesting because I had three general responses. One was no, and they took mm -hmm. their mask off. Mm -hmm. That was 80, 90% of the people. There was, I'm going to leave my mask on and say, no, I'm not going to force you to. And that was like maybe the remaining 10%. And the, the outliers were the people who were like, please keep your mask on. And then they would leave within, you know, the friendly. They, yeah, they, they figured out the this is in my findings, place, right? You know? <laughs> but it was also, yeah, but it was also just a, a litmus test, right? Because I know dozens of chiropractors in the county, in the state, you know, I, I use my state in particular because we are all kind of of a similar breeding in terms of if you see families and you see kids, you understand the informed consent mission and, and, and battle here in California. And they didn't do that. And what I found the most revealing to me was all I had to do was ask. All I had to do was Socratically ask. And I didn't go in. And then if somebody had more conversations, I would, I would ask about the immune system. I would ask about, hey, do you think that this you know, protects you or do you think your immune system is far more important? And, and people would logically begin to connect some dots. And from that point on, we just made a very clear policy where we're, we're, we're not going to shame anyone. Like we're not going to not welcome somebody if they're going to wear a mask. I have a patient who has been in my practice since before that office, which he's, his kids are, his twin boys are 10 now. And I saw them as newborns and he still wears a mask like almost every day. And he's just like, like, what's up, dude? Like, and he doesn't care. And I don't care. And I love the guy, you know, and I, I will love and serve him. And that's something that we also kind of sit back and say is like, if somebody is stuck in that belief system, do they need our care and services and love mm -hmm. more or less? And they need it more 100 times out of 100 because they just haven't connected those dots yet. And so it's kind of a, a, a different way to think about it because, you know, I spoke at the ICPA member gathering some months ago because of the time warp. I don't really know when it was. And I was introduced um, as, as, as an angry chiropractor, you know, Ooh. as like somebody who like, if you ever feel angry in the last three years, like this is your guy, you know, it's just like, dude, like, did you write is... that bio? <laughs> no, I actually gave a bio. And <laughs> And I, and, I, and I started by saying, you know, I just want you to know that everything that I do actually stems from love. And it stem, stems from this deep, deep, deep love that I have for humanity and I have for our kids. And I have a, a, an openness to the whole picture of love, which is, you know, often we believe it's rainbows and puppy dogs and, you know, warm hugs and kisses. But sometimes it's a swift kick in the ass. And sometimes it's like a real, real, like kind of gut check moment. And that's the whole picture of love. And so... If you ever have thought that I'm angry, it's because I'm not 
I'm not afraid to access those parts of me because I believe that what's at stake is something that is far greater than we're allowing ourselves to recognize right now. And so I would say as chiropractors who may be at step A, right, that it's always being brave enough to ask Socratic questions, to reveal answers in people that they may not see that their family values are here and society, the system, whatever it is, is vibrating at a lower frequency. And if they don't recognize that there is a discrepancy, then they will operate as if there's no discrepancy and they will think that it's just a level playing field when in reality, I believe that it's our job not to say, okay, bro, you're going to force everybody to your value set. It's just sometimes it's an increment. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting them to realize that ooh, an adjustment to help the nervous system self-heal is far better than going to that you know, provider who's just going to do a therapy for torticollis, oh, right? Sometimes and, you, you know, just like, got to get them to wake up that, to even that, though, mm-hmm. or just like dethroning, totally, right? dethroning their pediatrician. Hey, She Slayers, real quick. If you're in the scaling stage of practice and your clinic is looking for an associate, be sure to check out advertising on my Instagram and Facebook socials page. It can take months and months to find the right fit for your clinic and posting anywhere and everywhere you can can shorten the amount of time that that takes. So in addition to posting on Facebook groups and state association classifieds, get your ad viewed by thousands of chiropractic students and new grads who follow She Slays the Day. Click the link below to apply for next month's ad. We only take nine each month and it's first come, first serve. And if you're a student or new grad who wants to make sure you get those monthly ads, click the other link below to make sure you get each month's new job listings delivered straight to your inbox. Back to the episode. As a chiropractor who's deeply passionate about providing the best care, I've got a secret weapon I want to share with you. Genesis Chiropractic Software. My journey with Genesis started 13 years ago, and back then I was juggling insurance claims and Genesis was a lifesaver. It streamlined the whole insurance process, making it seamless and stress-free. But here's the kicker. Even after I transitioned to a cash-based practice, Genesis continued to be an indispensable part of my clinics. Why do I stick with Genesis? Because it's more than just software. It's a comprehensive solution that adapts to your practice's needs. When I went from one clinic to two, it could have been a logistical nightmare. But thanks to Genesis being cloud-based, I can manage both clinics effortlessly, anytime, anywhere. It keeps me on top of my patient records and provides invaluable data to analyze the health of my clinics. The insights help me make informed decisions to continually improve. And now I'm excited to offer something special to my She Slays listeners. When you visit genesischiropracticsoftware.com forward slash She Slays, you'll get an exclusive discount on Genesis Chiropractic Software. Whether you're dealing with insurance or running a cash-based practice, Genesis is the versatile tool that will elevate your chiropractic business. So don't wait. Take your practice to the next level. Head over to genesischiropracticsoftware.com forward slash She Slays for your exclusive discount. Trust me, with Genesis, you're not just surviving in your practice, you're thriving. So you've used the phrases medical freedom and medical Mm -hmm. tyranny. To you, what is so like pro-medical freedom? And like, I would love to know what else falls under that besides being air quotes here and anti-vaxxer. I would say pro-medical freedom is 
if you if you are in the world of taking care of pregnant moms, then and you don't understand informed consent and medical freedom being almost synonymous, then you I don't know what the you're right not paying word attention. is. You're not paying attention, but you're you're just not you're you're not creating and holding a space for for real like healing for the moms in your practice, right? Mm. And so I've said on more recent podcasts, just because I've been hearing it more, right? More moms are coming in, babies are still being born, and and I'm I was like, whoa, like you're all in on COVID, right? You you follow me because of COVID, but you don't know that I have to ask my doctor. I don't know if my doctor will allow me. I don't know if they'll let me not do this intervention is the way that we lose moms generationally for how long, right? And so I would say everything in birth, I would argue that fertility, pro-medical freedom, means that you have to understand informed consent on fertility procedures that have a lot of risk. Everything with regard to pediatric healthcare and pediatric medicine, we have a really good pediatrician in our county, and I sent a ton of people to him. And one day he was like, you know I'm pro-vaccine, right? I'm like, yeah. I've had that dude. conversation with. Yeah, bro. Like, I got <laughs> yeah. it. But I walked in because my kid had, like, a significant, like, bout with impetigo. And, you know, you read all the things, and it's like, mm, this is kind of at the edge of what I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. in my scope. However, everything that I'm doing seems to be helping. And... I'm seeing progress, but let's talk to this dude, you know, and he comes in or I go into his office. It's the middle of COVID. He's wearing a mask. We take our masks off and he doesn't care. I'm like, "Mm, interesting, interesting data point. And he was like, I think I'm going to write you a prescription for antibiotics. And I kind of interrupted him. I said, what would Rady Children's Hospital do? And he's like, well, they probably would have already admitted her and they probably would already have a line in and they would already like be scaring the shit out of you that she's going to die. I said, okay, so I see those, 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 mm-hmm. those discrepancies. And I said, this is what we're doing. And this is her progress. And when do you think the antibiotic, like if she, if you, if I do the antibiotics that you're recommending, when do you think she's going to actually start to see real progress? This was a Friday. I'm off on Friday. So I always know when my kids appointments are like today, which is why I asked you to reschedule. He's like, probably by Monday. I was like, okay, I think based on what I'm doing, she's going to be better by Sunday, like Sunday morning. And he's like, then don't do the antibiotics. I was like, cool, right? And so we don't have those providers anymore. Like he is a great no. white buffalo. Yeah, we really don't. They're not allowed to like medicine. think. Yeah, and so what we have is autonomous marketing. And so 90, 99% of patients would have gone straight to Rady Children's Hospital. They would have been admitted. They would have had a line in. And I wanted to have that understanding because he doesn't stand for that. But I also don't stand for what he does, but I'm open to the idea that I may not know everything and I may, you know, give myself and my family and my wife peace of mind by offering a new perspective. And I think that's medical freedom, right? Is actually in that moment. Being able to have a goddamn conversation with somebody who might know a little more about something than you. Yes. And them not barking down your throat for asking a question. Like, you know, I just feel obviously. When did it start coming out? Like a year ago was when it really became super public. These vaccine incentives that pediatricians are getting, and it's just like screenshots from Blue Cross Blue Shield's website, just like shared. And I shared it, and I was just like, I don't. I have not fact checked this. I don't know. 
if this is made up or whatever, but like the shoe fits, the shoe fits because in 13 years in practice, I've had patients go to their family practice doc, their pediatrician, and you know, they pre-appointment in the early days, I would be like, no, it's okay. Just let them know you want to wait a little bit. Just, just tell them. And then they'd come back and they'd be like, I didn't even get the words out of my mouth. And they threw research at me and said, like, not at this clinic. And I was just like, what, what? And so, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the medical tyranny part where I was imagining you were going with that of just like these parents. So now I literally need to prep them the best I can in a high volume practice of, you know, and this is usually like, yeah, well, she's got her shots next week. And I'm like, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm scared to do it. And I'll be like, you know, this is optional, right? Well, I know, but I don't want her to get sick. And, you know, and so it's like, you, you've had these conversations, right? And, um, and you just kind of walking through them. And I'll, when they get to the point with a patient where I think they're like, you know, I, I think I might, I might just wait or whatever. Then I have to have a whole nother conversation of like, I want you to be prepared for how that doctor may react. Here's why. I don't know if it's necessary for me to tell them why, uh, because like already at this point, you know, they're just getting like downloaded all this information of like, oh my gosh, someone who I, I'm allowed to do that. And like, and then like, yeah. And then they might yell at you just so you know, this person whose opinion you trust so much to keep your baby alive. They're going to yell at you possibly. And it's because a lot of money is on the line and the hospital has like specific policies about whether or not you're allowed to be this or that. I would say medical tyranny is gaslighting, right? Like, mm -hmm. like the form of like the appeal to authority, the logical fallacy that I know more than you, the CDC knows more than you, that I'm going to rob you of a logical, normal conversation that any human would be, you know, expecting. And I would say that that's really tough, right? It's tough for parents to navigate right now because we have infrastructural, institutionalized gaslighting and medical tyranny that has been completely normalized, paraded, and celebrated that it's hard for people to recognize that it's even happening sometimes because mm -hmm. they're just in that tsunami wave, you know? And so those are, those are gen generally my definitions of each, right? I would say informed consent is really, really, really foundational, whether you look at it through the Hippocratic Oath or you look at it through uh, the Nuremberg, Nuremberg Code. Like talking to any provider about risks and benefits, alternatives, and what if I wait and do nothing is just a normal conversation to mm -hmm. have with them. And so I would say they that wouldn't get pissed if you were asking questions about blood pressure medications. Like that's no. the thing is like, it just gets so emotional so fast of just like, if you were like, well, if you said, they said like, Lauren, you've got high blood pressure. We're recommending whatever the hell they put people on for high blood pressure. And I said like, okay, would it be dangerous for me to try six months of healing this naturally? And what would you recommend for that? I feel like they'd be like, hmm, well, diet exercise, but most people fail. So you're probably gonna be back here in six months, you know, but they'd still like, but yet when it comes to vaccines more so than anything else, like, you know, you could talk about like, oh, we've removed dairy and they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's cute. Like, oh, we're trying pediatric chiropractic. Oh, that's cute. That's great. Okay, sure, sure, sure. But it's still just so, so much on this in this one area of pharmaceuticals. And every way that I've analyzed it, 
it actually just comes down to liability. That's all it is. Is no one's liable, right? The pharmaceutical industry isn't liable. Like, like the 1986 Act gave them immunity from any sort of like adverse reactions. Um, doctors aren't liable. Insurance companies aren't liable. Hospital systems aren't liable. Nurses aren't liable. No one's liable, right? The politicians aren't liable. And so that's what happened with COVID, exactly, right? In a sense that your kid's teacher that was forcing things on your kid is not liable. The administrator, not liable. The district, not liable. No one is liable. And because of that, it is this renegade gaslighting, this renegade like lockstep, you fall in line 100% compliance is the expectation, right? Mm -hmm. And then when they have the censorship and the social media companies to back it up, then it's a homogenized worldview and it's this subset of people. But now it's, now it's different. I believe that now people know like that the winter of death and destruction or whatever that we were, we were all bestowed upon by Biden. It's like, oh, well, well, like actually all of us are actually healthier than the people that, that were forced into that thing. And, you know, there's actually people really like dying suddenly. It's super weird. Like before we used to have like raise your hand if you know someone that has cancer, right? And everyone raise their hand. You're like, oh, chronic disease is the killer, right? And now if you go into any speech, if I, if I go into any speech and I say, raise your hand if you know someone who's been injured or killed by the shot and everybody freaking raises their hand and we're still the a-hole, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still the guy that's too angry. It's like, dude, no, we aren't, we aren't, we aren't accessing this nearly enough because what's happening now is we have kids that are coming in because it was, it was before too, right? Like I understand the perfect storm. I'm a PX guy. I love, you know, I, I, I think I was first introduced to you, to you through Epic and like the, 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 the perspectives of understanding that the environment is destroying our kids nervous mm -hmm. systems is not arguable, but when you look at it today, it's it's like the depth, the width, and the breadth of it is crazy. Like California is nuts, right? Literally nuts in a sense that like it's not just shots in the medical system. It's also public school and the curriculums. It's also like all sorts of different perspectives that is the mental, what I've been saying, mental, physical, spiritual enslavement of our children and that's something that we see front and center so much in California. No one's, you know, people used to say, oh, everybody follows California. No one's following California mm -hmm. anymore. Like all, all the Midwest states especially are just like, you guys are nuts and you guys are idiots. You know, like we're not going to follow, follow you guys off the cliff, you know, but. Literally. Literally off the cliff, New York and, you know, California. But I've been saying for a long time that, you you show me a, a state legislature because I, I because we we found this out in, in San Diego, the guy who just got kicked out of this the county supervisorship. He is one of the young, young and up and comers of the World Economic Forum in the San Diego County Board of Supervisors. The the World Economic Forum, the globalists, have infiltrated the youth in the movement for legislative and politics that they're grooming them from that young to become Newsome, right? Mm -hmm. To become those kind of leaders. Yeah. So talk about the school curriculum. Like I want to talk, kind of dig more into the mental, physical, spiritual. So like, obviously, yeah. okay. We, we all in agree. Yep. I get the physical yeah. aspect of the vaccines and, the, but like. How far down the, that road do you want to go? And I'll say this because in San Diego, it's especially 
controversial since I've been in practice. Like we've been in practice around the same time, right? I've been embedded in the birthing community since, you know, for the last decade or so, right? And I remember when one of my patients um, started an amazing podcast for, for moms that when I got interviewed, I didn't realize that this was happening, but I kept saying pregnant moms and she kept correcting me saying pregnant people. She kept saying birthing person. She kept saying different homogen, like different inclusive air quotes mm. words. And so I don't, I don't know if that's a route that you want to go down on, on this, this podcast per se, but it's um, crazy. Ironically, right? I'm trying to think of when this is going to air, but like there's another episode that's going to air right around this that we can, yeah, don't worry. So I have, I have, I have been in this movement for a long enough time, meaning in the movement for birth, right? In San Diego, like there are a few names that have been around as long as I have that have been just networking and building relationships and just holding space, creating space for moms and this journey of like sacred journey of birth and mm -hmm. from maiden to mother and being the only dude sometimes in a room of 50 women. I'm like, Hey guys, I'm here. And they're <laughs> hey. like, thank you for being here. You know? And I got that for so long, but then at some point I started to realize, I was like, I can't, Whoa, I can't say mom. And that is what is normal in our curriculums here in California is mm -hmm. things like critical race theory and things like LGBT, where I have some of my patients who were very and have been very active in the medical freedom movement for a long period of time, that they started to see that from a curriculum perspective that they were, they were just getting the books, the mandatory recommended readings or library books, and they were seeing pornography. They were seeing words that we wouldn't feel comfortable reading in emails back and forth that were recommended readings for like 12 year olds, like literally like about. But to what end? Like why? I mean, and also I've read the real Anthony yeah. Fauci, so, yeah. but like, yeah, why? What's the point so, in, in doing this to the kids? So this is hard and, and, it, and it's hard because I didn't make this connection. Anthony, not Anthony, Andy Kaufman, help me make this connection. A Andy Kaufman is one of the maybe more vocal medical doctors who is promulgating like terrain theory, just letting you know that, hey, it's not just a germ theory, it's terrain theory, right? He started there and he was like, Stan, do you, you know why it's a transhumanistic movement, right? I'm like, well, yeah, the, the, the gene therapy, right? They're, they're, they're changing our genes and it's called transhumanism. So when you move into, it's like for me, I am a thousand, like I am a co-godparent with a lesbian couple that I absolutely adore and will literally raise my niece side by side with because I love them deeply. But when you go LGBT, it's different. And that's what Andy Kaufman said. He's like, trans is actually from a hormonal perspective, right? Because it's not just, and this may be controversial, but you're maybe the same generation as me. It's like, remember Pat from Saturday Night Live? Yes. Pat, right? It like, wasn't SNL. Wasn't it Mad TV? No, it was SNL before sure? Mad TV. I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, I thought Pat and like always wondering what bathroom yes. Pat was going to go in. I yeah. think, I swear that was Mad TV, but so, you could be wrong. We could be wrong. So back then it was just... Pat, right? And I was right. just like, mm, I don't know, guy or girl, but I'm going to be respectful and I'm going to be, and now it's pushed, it's in Target, right? It's in our kids, it's in their curriculum. Mm -hmm. And then, 
have you ever seen that documentary, What is a Woman? Mm-mm. So that, that was put out by a more conservative group called The Daily Wire. The, the journalist actually, in my view, was just setting out to like understand this community, like what was happening. And when it comes to the hormone blockers and when it comes to the transition surgeries, how much does pharma make per patient? Oh, God, I have no idea. 1.4 million. Per patient. Per patient, per transition, over the lifetime, right? What is the current population of trans people? I don't know. 1.3 million. That's $1.8 trillion. And so this is something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I promise, I'm sorry, listeners, if I'm like, <clears throat> if one like took you too far, because I don't love doing it if you're not ready, if that's not what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. But fucking medical tyranny uh-huh. that you can't, you can't okay, have, so I have a question. like your children. In your yeah. opinion, do you think, so like, okay, there's a part of me that goes like, okay, I understand why it's important for us to teach kids that there's going to be people different than them Mm -hmm. and that's okay. So we're just going to take that and we're going to put it on the shelf and like be like, yep, okay, we get that. Are you implying or in your opinion, do you think that our genetics are getting accidentally fucked up from the terrain? And like big pharma's just like riding that wave of being like, yeah. Or do you think it was like, do you think our hormones are intentionally being disrupted to create a problem they solve? So, so I would say I started practice believing that conventional medicine was stupid. Like I was like, you guys just don't, you guys just don't know what health is, right? And largely, I think that's true, right? But I believe political medicine, which I don't know if you know and have thought about the difference, right? Conventional medicine and, 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 and clinical medicine means like, hey, I could talk to that pediatrician and be like, hey, bro, like you tell me your thing, I do my thing. What do you think? Oh, what right. do you think? It's, you it's said they cohesion, have a virus, yet you said you were right? going to write me a prescription for antibiotics. What's up with that? I don't get it. And But political medicine is, <laughs> I think it bird chiropractic in a sense the AMA in a what case was one of the first highlightings of the extension of the Flexner report of the installment of Rockefeller medicine which is largely driven by the wealthy elite I came through COVID recognize like I think it was maybe within the first three or four months where I was like "Ooh, oh god this sucks oh man they know like they know they know all of it they know all of it because I used to think they're so ignorant they don't know the body heals itself, you know? They don't know that chiropractic adjustments like help neuro self-regulation, you know? Like I used to think that I was so ignorant to think that. that. And then and then I started I was like, "Whoa. Like this is why we're public enemy number 1. This is why we're still the main exit outside of the system, but the main target from most of like every 3 or 4 years self magazine is going to come out about mm-hmm. chiropractic and stroke, right? Like those mm-hmm. are psychological operations those aren't real we put resources we we try to prove ourselves because we obviously don't cause stroke and we have to tell them academically that we don't cause stroke but you know it's because they own that kind of cultural authority and what i've realized is that because once censorship hit so this maybe is a roundabout question to how like i navigate censorship it's once censorship hit we knew like the people who were speaking out the most, we knew exactly when we hit it. 
Like we knew exactly when, because we could watch our analytics. I can't see mm -hmm. my analytics anymore like I used to. I it's can't almost see. like you can see when you, like when your post went viral, where you're like, oh, oh, wow, mm -hmm. it's different. Like you. It's you, completely different, right? You and knew so when you became on their radar. By, by spring 21, I interviewed a woman named Tiffany Prado. Tiffany Prado is still one of the foremost. I highly, highly recommend you interview her. She's one of the first to get deplatformed, but she was one of the first to, on a big level, just say, dude, something's happened to women's cycles from the shot and from some sort of transmitting or shedding from the shot. She's published two research articles on this now because she has thousands of survey like she's she is IRB approved she's PubMed indexed she has some of the best scientists actually on her back like actually promoting her research but when I saw her get pulled off and I saw my friend Echo and Afraid get kind of really 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 shadow banned I was like we started to predict where and how they were navigating censorship and censorship was like it used to be follow the money pharma makes all the money follow the money right Oh, pharma and oh, Bayer owns Monsanto. Weird. That's weird. No, it's not weird. <laughs> no, it's not weird. Bayer is a pharmaceutical company from the Holocaust and they bought Monsanto because they literally are, are in bed, right? They bought them for 60 billion. Do you know this? Like they no, bought them no, for 60 you're billion. My mind right now. Bobby Kennedy at CalJam says, I have a court case. I will win it if you guys donate 250K chiropractors, Billy D, one of my favorite people on the planet, raises 500K for Bobby Kennedy. He hires two lawyers. And in months, there's three major court cases against Monsanto where they, I think the first was several million and the next two cases were in the billions. Bayer bought them for $60 billion. Bayer lost $60 billion in their overall like stock, you know, profile. And we don't see that they're all one and the same. We think, oh, they're a, they're a um, herbicide, fungicide, pesticide. It's actually classified, like, like uh, glyphosate is classified as an antibiotic. Uh, they're a pharmaceutical company. They make aspirin, don't they? Bayer makes aspirin. You know, like, but they're behind all of these kind of industries, but there are people behind them, right? And the people behind them, I believe, are so radically intelligent. And I think that the orchestration of what they pulled off in COVID, I believe they didn't do a great job of it, but it revealed where it was follow the money, then it became follow the control, because you started to see it like legislation would come down, right? Like the reason why I'm I'm vocal about curriculums and, and trans and targeting our kids is because in the state of California, there have been multiple bills in the last year, in the last year, very current, that are if a parent doesn't affirm their child's gender, that that child may be removed from their home. That wow. is California today. So by you right? say affirm their gender, meaning like I will accept what my child chooses their gender to be. Is that what so, you're So I'm going to say it this way because this is very real in a patient and also in um, a colleague who's one of the top lawyers in this movement for truth where their kid got punished because they, for bullying because another child in their group identifies as a cat. Oh, yep. yep. Right? We actually have that and, in our small town. I just yeah, found so, out about this like two months ago, that this so, is a real... So, 
so that's what's happening as far as administrators are punishing children. And all they said was like, are we going to get rabies or something? Like it was kind of a, a, just a funny joke, you know, that I think most kids would navigate, but it was bullying. But that's what it is, is the affirmation of your child's, whatever it is that they have become to believe about what their, what their identity is. If it is not affirmed that you may deem, be deemed as an unfit parent in the state of California. And it's, it's gnarly, man. It's gnarly to think that that is the normalcy that these people are promoting. And I don't believe you can be like, hey, we're in Wisconsin. We don't really do that shit. That I believe- Yeah, we legit do. We legit do. Like I said, I just found out a month ago, our town is 9,000 people. Our county is 45,000 people. And I found out that one of our school districts has a room with a litter box in it for a kid. And I was like, you're fucking kidding kidding me. No, no, we are red up here. We wouldn't, we wouldn't allow that. We, you know, like what? No, that's California shit. So why? Right. Why? Yeah. So, so why? So why it is, is because it is the weaponization of inclusivity is the weaponized of forced empathy and forced compassion that plays to the human heart. Right. Because, well, who are well, you what to will say? they do with that? What will they do with that if we're all super inclusive and empathetic to everyone's truth? What it means, it how means, does that... it it means that you can be owned? It means that that that's that's why you know things like we're all in this together then becomes a version of shame, right? Where I have mm-hmm. friends that are in my old friend group where they would I'm in line at a coffee shop, like on Facebook, like I'm in line at a coffee shop and somebody's not wearing a mask. Oh, I shame them. You know, like I, I, I gave it to them and it just becomes this way to divide and polarize. And if they were divided and polarized, then we can be owned. There's no unification. There's no possibility of real togetherness and it's promulgated, right? It's promoted as well. Do you not believe in gay marriage? It's like, no, that's not what we're actually talking about. I didn't know that it was going to be like a full-on dude swimming against my daughter one day, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's fucking weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to tell me that if I don't believe in gay marriage that my child is going to have to swim against dudes, then I, I might just think about things a little bit more differently right. if that's Don't pretend that's that going, those are the same... You know? Like yeah. it's the it's a forcing into dualistic thinking of yeah. you're either for it or against it. And it's like, is that is that really what we're doing here? So so I I'm sorry if that's not where we were gonna go into the conversation, but I will say that the more that I kind of peel the layer of the onion or look behind the curtain, the more I realize how like orchestrated and how actually um intricate and somewhat like like I read a book mid 2020 was gifted by, you know, an old team member of mine. It was called, um, B 2.0, um, beyond entrepreneurship it was written by the dude who wrote good to great. Can't remember his name right now, but it goes through how, you know, these companies who are like standing the test of time in terms of legacy have what they call hundred year visions where they at their inception, had such a strong vision for their future that they crafted a, t- a, a hundred year, a century long vision. And I believe we're seeing that because one of them was Merck. And I was like, 
Well, fucking a, right? Like you read mm. it, you read through it, you're like, yeah. This if is you're really a pharmaceutical company, what does your hundred year vision look like? Like, you know, like we don't need to go there now, but like, it's it's you could use your imagination. You yeah. could use your imagination. Like, it's not that the average person is on less than one pharmaceutical. Like, that's not going to be the hundred year vision of a pharmaceutical company. I remember early on in 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 practice. You know, Jin Tempo would, would just, like the most eloquent, like philosophically sound perspective of, of chiropractic, right? Like the only way that the future of healthcare exists is if we, if we inspire our patients over time to need us less, to be so radically empowered that we work ourselves out of a job. I thought that was one of the most beautiful ways to like say like, yeah, dude, we don't want to see you three times a week forever. But I do want to see you forever, and you do need a healthy spine forever, and you do need a healthy nervous system navigating this world forever, and I'd love to be that person forever, and maybe the people that I delegate to as you're going to help me, you know, with all the yeah. you know, different yeah. avenues of like, I'm not going to do that 100 years old, but yeah. maybe I will because just for dragging rights. But the point is, after you get out of jail, political medicine, bro, like political medicine is, we don't want you on one, we want you on all for all foreseeable generations we know, and this is not my research, that the industry at the time before 2020 was for vaccines was some 60 billion, but the side effects and the fallouts was some 500 billion. This is Bobby Kennedy's research before there was a 2020. What is that now, man? Like it is absolutely the insane. Of the side effects is an additional 500 billion. It's tenfold, right? And so they know that on the front end, they're going to make that sale. They're going to market that shit to the end because they have no liability for anything that they put out. Zero, right? But the fallout, the chronic disease, the autoimmunity, the Lyme, the, all the things that were like, ooh, this is a functional medicine trend now. It's like that wouldn't exist if we didn't have the onslaught of the original, in my opinion, the original sin is this level of intrusion into our system like the sanctity of our blood, Tim O'Shea's book, sanctity of our blood violated. And so I say it this way, like, and this is where we are, right? We have kids who are birthed at home. We have kids who are adjusted since birth. We have kids who are totally unvaccinated right now. And they have chronic illness. And most, and some families are like, thank you for saying that because they're saying there are no unvaccinated autistic kids. There are, there are. And we, we see them, right? And they may be, they may not be, quote, diagnosed with autism where we're like mm, there is a neuro dysregulation here that is very very significant and then we think about 5g and we think about chemtrails and we think about all these things and we're like there's like what the hell is the way out right mm -hmm. you can really feel very hopeless and so i interviewed a guy named joel saladin recently and i've been really into the regenerative farming dudes which is why i love wisconsin right i love even stand the process right like and i was like what do you do about chemtrails? What do you do about like the water? You know, and he goes, well, and EMFs. He's like, yeah, these are really, really important things. He's like, you know, I've never seen an animal sensitive to EMFs. You know, like he just started to like kind of go through that. If you raise animals regeneratively, that they don't express the bullshit that domesticated humans do, right? And he said something so sobering to me because he started his farm, I want to say he's in his 60s, I think it's some 30-something years where it started with weeds. And he remembers, he told the story of one red clover sprig coming out. He was like, we're going to win. He saw life happen in a desolate farm 
and he knew that he was going to re just redo it, you know, re, re like rinse and repeat this regenerative perspective. And now he has some thousands heads of cattle, right? Well, sorry, what not, do you mean by regenerative process? What are you talking about there with regenerative <laughs> okay, farming? So, so, so sorry, I'm, I'm covering like a lot of different topics. No, um, so organic, right? People are like, Oh, get organic. And that's, that's better. It's far better. That's far better than conventional farming, right? Because of GMOs and because of glyphosate mm -hmm. and because of all the things, right? Right. But you could buy an organic label, but at least you can know that it's not going to have toxins, right? And the farmers that I met here in San Diego, they highlighted the difference between organic farming, sustainable farming, and regenerative farming. And regenerative farming is the highest level of soil management of how you actually create an ecosystem that is actually symbiotic where the animals influence the plants and the plants and the soil animals, and, okay. and the soil and the my, mycelium layers and the mm -hmm. you know humic and, and fulvic minerals that we put in bottles and, and supplement like there is there are people in that movement that are so convicted and he said because we went through the ch the kids health and he knew more about kids health than most chiropractors could actually say on an hour interview and he just stopped at one moment he's like dr stan do you know what my vet bill is i was like dude tell me your vet bill he's like zero i was like thousand head of cattles tens of thousands of other animals over 30 years and he said outside of a birth that i need a little bit of assistance my animals don't touch that industry at all and so why is that important for his local vet not for his local vet but the point of that is is that and I'm a chestnut guy, right? James Chestnut, mm -hmm. like his whole perspective of like toxicity and deficiency versus purity and sufficiency, that because we know more than most providers do about the toxic and the deficient nature of our current world and how it affects our children and it affects our moms and our future generations, and we also know what normal is, we know what normal expression of life and normal and optimal expression of human potential is in a pure and a sufficient model that we have and have had the answers from our inception. Mm -hmm. And it's why we're public enemy number one. And so it can get so claustrophobic and like, there's no way out. That's like in the end, he was like, my farm isn't like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres. My farm is, a, is actually a small family farm that I've invested in for 30 years over and over and over. We went from two or three heads of cattle to thousands of animals, and his vet bill is virtually nothing because he's believed in that regenerative principle of understanding that if we live innately, that we will express mm -hmm. our innate potential in a way that we don't even know anymore, right? right. Like if you follow us in price... Have you heard of Weston Price, Weston A. Price and his perspectives? There's a woman I also suggest you interview. Her name is Mary Ruddick, and she's like a modern-day Weston Price. And so when I interviewed her like a year ago, she was just like, yeah, I just got back from Iceland. It's seal season there. And she's just like kind of goes through like how like from fertility and pregnancy. She's like, you know, they don't have hunter-gatherer and fisher tribes. You know, they don't have words for depression. You know, they don't say like, I need, I need, I need space. Right. Like my, my nephew is two and he's like, he falls and he's like, I need space. And you're like, like that, that reaction is largely a domesticated human that our innate like way of expressing our genome and our, gen our genetic potential 
just doesn't actually have, you know? And so in the end, it's an interesting dynamic because there are models of what this life can look like. Does it mean that we go live in the bush? Does it mean that we go eat, you know, what our cows eat? Right. It just means that we don't realize how strongly prepared we are to understand what that model for optimal potential is for a real-time self-healing of chronic things that we have in our lives and our family tree now. But if we invest in those and we, dare I say, brainwash, you know, our like communities into recognizing that, obviously not forcing and shaming and coercing, that the outcome is vastly different than we could ever even fully like fathom. I don't think we even know what the truest human potential is. Yeah. I think there's a lot of chiropractors that are still waking up. I mean, myself included in like, you know, of just going like, huh. Huh. I'm I'm a chiropractor, but I I didn't know that. I didn't know that history lesson. I didn't follow. I didn't know that that person wrote that check. I didn't know that that person owned that. And like, so I think that the continual waking up is needs to happen. What's next for you? Like, what is where do you go with this? Are you gonna um, keep building the podcast and trying to bigger reach or? Well, in about 30 days, I get to work with this incredible woman. <laughs> Shit, um, it's on me to figure out what's... <laughs> All no, right. because that would All be right, contradictory. Right? That, would, that would be contradictory to what I actually believe, right? Honestly, I believe that we are at a... Like, future generations is at a point where the ability to scale the message to the end user, right? To Mm -hmm. our families is really, really important. We filmed a curriculum. It's kind of beta testing right now. Um, I'll share a link with you if if that's something that you'd love to share with your peeps. But basically it goes through a three-month like process of understanding like the fundamentals and the foundations to this innate lifestyle, right? But the second month is really like dismantling some of these old belief systems that we don't actually realize our psychological operations from the powers that be. And then the third is like, how do we then install these belief systems that are going to prepare not only us as parents and doctors, but our children to understand not only what they're made of, right? They're made of this miraculous force of nature of God that honestly, most people minimize. And how do we, how do we, how do we make that robust? How do we continually create a radical, you know, transformation, you know, for our communities? And it's something that I'm, I'm really, really passionate about because in the end, it was, what is the world that my kids are going to inherit from me? It's become what world, what kids is the world going to inherit from me, right? Like what, what kids am I going to bring into those future generations, um, whether they're in my own family tree or if they're in those that find us in our practice? I love that. Okay, final question. Where can people find more of you? It's really hard. Um, thefuturegen.com is our podcast uh, website. Future Generations SD is our clinic here in San Diego. And on Instagram, I would say <laughs> you're going to get a few you know, roadblocks, but at Dr. Stanton Hom is probably the most current place yeah. to find me. Yeah. yeah, you find the current one that hasn't been shut down and restarted. So Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Thank you, Dr. Lloyd. Sorry if I went, you know, to No, 
No, like question 17 of like, what is the point of (laughs) this is why I'm like, oh, I have the first three questions usually. And then I'm like, all right, let's see where this goes. This is fun. (laughs) Um, I and I always love telling my guests like this is a safe space because, you know, I don't know who's going to who's going to really get upset with us. And in my world, I've honestly just I've gotten to a point where I've seen enough and I've seen it just destroy kids i've seen the industry and the the powers that be destroy like the human potential that rests that we believe is in all of our kids and because of that i i I don't care if it's safe or not i i i can't not speak what i'm called to speak so and i think that uh Unfortunately, I think a lot of chiropractors would agree like, hey, I love, you know, I'm all full of love, but it takes getting a little angry. It takes getting a little angry to go, oh, now I'm going to do something a little different Mm -hmm. and kind of step out of our little ring of comfort. So thank you so much. She Slayers, um, we'll have those links for you below. Go follow Dr. Home, listen to his podcast. He's got some amazing guests on there. Leave a review so we can help just continue bringing more awareness to the parents because I so agree. I used to think it was like, if I can just educate the providers, then then they can tell their patients mm-hmm. to do chiropractic. And I think you hit the nail on the head, like they fucking know we have to go yeah. straight to the parents. Like, because we're never, if we continue this route of, I mean, fuck, we need hour two where we can talk about like how a majority of our chiropractic schools are still sucking up the ass of conventional medicine and like trying to like get in their approval and like why we have so many chiros that are like, Oh, I didn't know that. So part two, I I have, I have, I have a lot to say about that. Mm -hmm. I'm very, I'm very well versed in chiropractic academia too. So whenever you want to do that. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. right, Slayers. until next week. Bye. When I ask other chiropractors what three things they need in order to be a successful practice, they say a table, an EHR, and an insight scanning system. I know for me, using scanning technologies was a game changer for my clinic. Once I started scanning, I had a clearer picture of a patient's health status and the ability to measure their progress over time. With the insight, I moved from just trying to treat symptoms to real care plans, and I could actually get patients to understand and sign on. CLA has made it easier than ever to get into scanning. They have affordable financing options and easy-to-use education tools that make scanning a no-brainer. So here's my theory. If you get an insight and then set aside seven minutes a day for seven days using CLA's online video training, you'll be communicating chiropractic with newfound confidence and certainty within a week. And a major bonus, you'll be able to amplify your social media presence by including neurological scan views and success stories that will attract a ton of patients and their families who are searching for the expert to manage their health and performance. If this sounds like something you'd like to know more about, go to insightcla.com forward slash SheSlays. You'll find lots of great information about scanning while reviewing the SheSlays preferred pricing deals. Yeah, I got you a deal. They'll also send you your free getting into scanning guide that includes a snapshot of CLA's training resources. 
Hey, She Slayers, if you're like me, your health matters, but life can get in the way. I completely get it. Meet Sunlight and Saunas, which is a game changer for your health. We used to put off getting an infrared sauna in my family and thinking it was going to be too pricey and complicated. But here's the deal. America needs to catch up on the whole sweating and detox routine. Infrared saunas do wonders for the immune system, detoxing, aging, sleep, and muscle recovery. And as a chiropractor, I've seen it help regulate nervous systems and patients in between their adjustments. So in 2023, my husband and I got serious about nervous system regulation, and he dove into cold plunges. I tried it. Not going to lie, didn't like it at all. I would rather spend 20 minutes in a cozy sauna than two minutes in ice water. So after tons of research, I chose sunlight and saunas for our home. We have the Amplify 2 in Basswood, and it is perfect. The goal is to bring this into our clinics in 2024 as well, expanding patient health journeys without more manpower and, of course, bringing in some more revenue. For SheSlay's listeners, snag up to $600 off a sauna, and here's the bonus. It stacks on top of any Sunlighten discount that they also have going. Just go to get.sunlighten.com forward slash she slays or hit the link below to request your pricing guide. And fellow chiropractors, practice what you preach, invest in your health. Now let's get back to today's episode. Mm -hmm. 